The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Googleization Nation and Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. Uh, today is 2.0 day, and I'll talk to you a little bit about what that means. So for anybody following me on uh, social media, you probably know about that already. Uh, but I'll uh, I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, today uh, we've got um, a topic that is on uh, most people's minds. Uh, certainly, if you're following the election and politics, but we're not going to be talking about the election and politics. Politics. We're going to be talking about the workplace, uh, what's going on with HR, and the topic cybersecurity. Uh, it's uh, it's a new topic for us. We haven't actually uh, had this, Keith, and uh, no. but it's it's no. certainly we should we should be talking about it. Uh, and the more I dug into this, the more. Um, yeah, the more we should have been talking about it so, a lot earlier. Uh, so uh, we'll be we'll we'll be there. Um, you know, uh, again, and uh, I think every day there there's some there's some news about that. You know, even beyond the politics. Uh, you know, how many credit card hacks have there been? Uh, it hits us personally every time that happens. Uh, but it comes to HR. Uh, we I don't I don't know, Keith. Do, do you see it much in the in in, in you know, I guess in conferences or articles. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of conversation going on. It's almost like HR just defaulted to IT on this subject. And as we've talked about a lot of other things, when they default to other people, when they don't know, they get ignored. And when they get ignored, that's ripe for a mistake. 100%. And I could go deep on this one based off of the selling I bet experience, you can. right? Because yeah. <laughs> Because once you get to those enterprise organizations, let me just say this to anybody who doesn't know. If you decide you're going to buy a software and you don't tell your security, your your um, your IT people, you're not going to get in. And for the most part, Ira, I think that you know organizations realize the value of their IT staff and and it's always and I mean capital always a pleasure to have CIOs and and IT leaders on calls when I was selling because they simply understand business they understand the impact and it's much it's almost easier to sell in my humble opinion it was almost easier to paint a big picture with the you know the IT staff and the um you know, the CIOs, in terms of the value and the business impact that software has over HR, I want to say three, maybe four to one. So, I mean, so you've been on both, you're on a, you've been on a couple sides of this. Obviously, you've, you've sold HR technology. You're now doing, you know, helping people evaluate the, the ROI on that. Um, you've certainly used it in the past. So you, you've sort of covered all the bases. But you know, part of the challenge, I guess, is that 
if you're if if your company is ready to purchase a new whether ATS or payroll system, whatever it is, uh, some type of uh, HR HR technology, uh, even a chatbot doesn't matter. Um, the you don't want to you you need to have IT involved in it because they're certainly the experts at evaluating. Um, you know, the functionality and the security of it. But the problem is, is that if you default to IT and they make the selection based on the security, then maybe the functionality from the HR perspective isn't there. And, and then it goes, you know, whether it doesn't do the job they were expecting it to do or it has a horrible candidate experience. So I'm sure there are some, some systems out there that have great security but they're horrible for the candidate, which then, you know, kind of defeats the purpose of it. So and in addition to that, and maybe Clinton can add a little color to this when we bring him on, but there's all the other things that people do with company computers that have to do with uploading, downloading, you know, you've got all the uh, Chrome extensions that are out there. And, and literally I was, I could tell people, this is what I always tell people I you know, I know that there are ones and zeros. I really don't know what they do. So it's fun <laughs> to me to know that there's so, I mean, it's intense. It's just super intense. And it's kind of interesting how we really haven't had any cybersecurity conversations on the show after a year and a half. It's about no. time. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're uh, as much, you know, we're culprits in this too, because it's a hot topic. It should be, you know, it's, it's so important. Um, but we, we sort of, you know, fell into that trap and defaulted it. So we're, we're going to change that today. So th there's a couple things. I mean, there's even, and I don't know, this may, I, uh, this falls under the umbrella of of security and certainly privacy. Um, but I, you know, one of the questions uh, that I sort of glossed over this in the beginning um, is, I wonder, you know, what's what's a company policy when it has to when it comes down to mailing and and printing job applications and resumes? We see that all the time. I mean, people print them out and and then what happens to them and that that, that you know, that sort of breaks the security because this, the, the technology could have great security protecting the privacy uh, uh, of the candidate and the employee. But then people print it out and they email it. And what happens there? You know, so there, there's a whole lot of vulnerabilities. Um, but before we get there, we're going to bring on um, Clint, uh, Clinton uh, Appleman. Um, who's a cybersecurity specialist for uh, Moorfield Communications. I know Moorfield way back. I, I lived in Lancaster County, and, and at one time, they, I, um, I, I don't know if this was the only thing they did, but a lot of it was uh, like two-way communication. So <laughs> they've come a long way uh, in, in that uh, regard. Uh, but before we get there, just want to go back to something I mentioned earlier about uh, today's 2.0 day. Uh, actually, that was yesterday officially, but uh, the second edition of my book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, uh, edition 2.0 uh, is out. I uh, hit the digital bookshelves yesterday. I'm not sure if it hit any physical bookshelves, uh, but it hit the di digital bookshelves. And uh, for those who uh, pre-ordered it, um, you can get a free book. Um, uh, you know, I put this up on uh, Facebook that, uh, you know, people thought I was crazy, uh, for doing it. And, but, uh, for the first, uh, there, there's a limited number, but, uh, if you order it now, you can go to join.googleizationnation.com. 
com. That's join.googleizationnation.com. Uh, you can get a free book and uh, it'll be shipped out in uh, within a few days. You'll have that uh, in your hands, but immediately you'll get a download copy, a uh, PDF copy, uh, and you can start reading it. So I uh, appreciate that. So again, go to join.googleizationnation.com. Um, if you prefer to pay the full price, it's available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle, but uh, it's free for uh, for for the asking. Uh, very very simple. All you need to go up. Uh, we want to thank Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions again for bringing our sponsors. You'll hear a little bit more from them in just a few minutes. Uh, and if you want to get updates and notices uh, about the show. Uh, and the live streams and webinars and other things that we're planning, uh, you can just go to googleizationnation.com. If you go to join.googleizationnation.com, you get the book. If you just go to googleizationnation.com, uh, you just subscribe, and uh, you'll get some emails and notices when uh, when we've got some updates. Keith, you were going to say something. Also, yeah, we're, um, yeah, we have the live chat line for those of you that are listening today right now, but and if you want to get into the conversation, the number to call in, we don't do this silly, scary, hide behind the curtains kind of thing, Ira. We're live. So 561-623-9429. You want to put us on the spot? You want to ask Clinton a good question? Reach out. The line's open. So we, we got a lot to talk about. This um, I'm sure this show, as many of them do, uh, we have great conversations with everybody and really appreciate our guests and, and people who submit some questions. Um, but we've got Clinton Eppelman. Uh, I met Clint uh, just uh, about two months ago, maybe three months ago. He and I sat on a panel next to each other uh, at the uh, it was basically a, a workforce forecast. Uh, or a forecast. It wasn't just the workforce, but the forecast for 2020 in the Lehigh Valley. It was, it was sponsored by Lehigh Valley Business um, and uh, with kind of a full house that day. And people wanted to hear. Um, we talked about everything from mergers and acquisitions uh, to the economy. Uh, we had somebody from the develop, uh, economic development. Uh, I spoke on the workforce, which no big surprise. And then uh, Clinton uh, talked about cybersecurity, what's ahead. And then we sat right next to uh, next to each other, and I asked him to be on the show, and uh, that started this. Um, he's got a really interesting take um, on this, and I, again, I have I had no clue when he said, "Hey, I'm going to talk about lessons from the Civil War of how it relates to cybersecurity." And you know, I, I'm a, you know I'm a reasonably smart guy to realize that uh, Abe Lincoln and uh, Robert Lee and and uh, Ulysses Grant did not have mobile phones back then. Uh, <laughs> you know, they didn't have phones. Um, so it was sort of curious and I started to do a little research and it's really interesting. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. I've heard a lot of people speak on civil war and leadership lessons. Um, but the relationship between that and cybersecurity was, um, pretty curious. Uh, so uh, I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that uh, Clinton uh, works for uh, Moorefield uh, Communications. Been there for he's been there for a number of years. Um, he's got a, a degree in physics and he's a certified. Uh, I don't even know what the initials mean, but a CISSP. Maybe he can help us out there. Uh, but he's helping shape uh, the approach. Uh, Moorefield's. Uh, communication for in central Pennsylvania, uh, their cybersecurity. So really excited to have you today, Clinton. Welcome. Hey, good, af good afternoon, Ira. Thank you. And, yeah. That... Uh, thanks, Keith. For, thanks, you guys, for having me on the show. Uh, uh, sure. This stands for Certified Information Systems Security Professional. 
Okay, there perfect. Have it. And that's why you're here. <laughs> so, um, and uh, you know, we, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, just on little things that happened this week. I, uh, Monday, uh, I got a phone call uh, from a client of mine, and my clients, uh, they they said, "Hey, I sent you an email, but maybe it was too late on Friday." And I know I responded to her, and she says, "I'm not getting it." I said, "Can you check your spam and junk?" And she's not getting it. And it was just a little thing, but um, Microsoft. Uh, and I know many people use Microsoft. Um, they had an upgrade uh, to their uh, Exchange servers, uh, their mail server. And uh, apparently my emails were not only just not, they used to go into spam. Now they didn't go through at all. And it turned out that w w there was a certificate, um, you know, that was uh, incorrectly uh, set up in my email. Uh, it, it took about 30 seconds to fix it. Uh, but there's just, you know, again, we put these things in place and, and we think they're working and then they're not working and then there's an update and then something else is not working, which allows, um, and the value of having those certificates was, uh, you know, to, to prevent spoofing. And so that's certainly not something I want is, is my, you know, somebody spoofing my emails and sending them out to all my clients or who knows where. So there, there's little things that happen every day, but let's start, uh, let, let's go back to the beginning. Um, let's go back 160 years, Clint. <laughs> so, um, sure. And we're talking about the Civil War. That, that intrigued me because it was the very first thing you said is let's talk about cybersecurity lessons in HR and the Civil War. So, so tell us. So I, tell, I, I, tell, and I know you're passionate about the Civil War. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I have three points that I, I would like to relate to cybersecurity and HR Um that we can learn from the, the, the Civil War. So uh, kind of my, my interest, uh, I'm pretty passionate about Battle of Gettysburg. And uh, the, the, the first thing that, I, that I'd like to parallel that I'd like to draw is the, the artillery between the, the Union and Confederate armies. They, they had different approaches for uh, how they, they structured their artillery, artillery batteries. Uh, the Union Army used one kind or one caliber uh, gun. So, uh, you know, they, they would have six or so guns and they would all be the same type of ammunition. Where the, the Confederate Army would, they had theirs organized in such a way that it was uh, a mixture of calibers. So they would short and long range ammunition. And, you know, they're, they're just like, you know, pretty much anything else, there, there are pluses and minuses to uh, both ways of, of, of structuring that. So you, you have challenges like supply chain. You know, you have to be able to supply ammunition and you have to be able to supply the correct type uh, when you need it. You also have uh, the possibility if you're mixing different caliber guns of mixing up what ammunition you're putting in to a particular cannon. So you could get the, if you put something and it's too big, you could get it stuck and then the gun is rendered useless. So these challenges, you know, there's not necessarily a right way or wrong way. It's how you execute and how you communicate, how you manage your supply chain. And that holds true in, in cybersecurity. Um, you know, you can come up with the, the, the greatest policy uh, for your organization, it can be wonderful, but if you're not executing, if you're not delivering it correctly, it's not going to be effective. And uh, the second point that I'd like to make is uh, around leadership in the, the Civil War. 
Daniel Sickles uh, was a general in charge of the Third Corps on the Union Army, and he was uh, he's someone that uh, he doesn't have many fans uh, as far as the, the quality of work that he did while he was uh, in the, the Civil War. And, you know, he made some decisions on, on July 2nd, 1863, that relates to, you know, why we have the, uh, the, the wheat field, the peach orchard, Little Round Top, things that, you know, you, you may not know a lot about the Civil War or Gettysburg, but, but those, those names, you know, have, have carried uh, through, through time and, and are written in the history books now because of a decision he made to move his third corps uh, farther ahead than what uh, the commanding general wanted. And those decisions that he made uh, come back to leadership. You know, he was charged with his particular corpse, and he was given a set of instructions and executing against it. And, uh, you know, ultimately he made decisions that, uh, you know, some would argue were counter to those, the, those orders. Um, but, but ultimately, the, you know, he wasn't the, the person in charge of all the Union troops on the field. And there is some responsibility with uh, General Meade, who was in charge, um, and, you know, the relationship that they had. Um, in my opinion, um, Meade didn't necessarily give as much attention to uh, the Third Corps as perhaps was, was necessary. And, you know, the, the events as they unfolded throughout the day um, you know, potentially change the the, the outcome of, of the, the war. And it can be argued that, you know, on July 2nd, the Union Army came out, uh, you know, somewhat by luck. Uh, and, you know, going back to something you said earlier, you know, it's interesting, you know, in 1863, uh, communication, there were a lot of communication challenges, right? You didn't have cell phones, you didn't have walkie-talkies. So, you know, in in a battle, in a campaign, uh, communication was key. If you didn't have good communications, things could go awry relatively quickly. And the the same holds true today in, in cybersecurity. Uh, typically, why I like to talk about the Civil War is, is one of the reasons you highlighted earlier, and, and that was because of leadership. Cybersecurity in your organization should be leader-driven. Um, it, it's not something that should be driven by the IT department. It's not something that should be driven by human resources. It, it's something that needs to be leader-driven, and it needs to be ingrained in the culture of the organization for it to be successful. So, and then so, the, the third point – oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, you go ahead. Continue. I thought you were done. No, the, the, the third point is, uh, you know, how the Civil War relates to human resources, right? Recruitment and retention of soldiers was, uh, you know, something that was very critical. Uh, you know, in 1861, when the war started, everyone thought that, you know, uh, First Manassas, the, the, the fight would be over in a day, and that would be end of the, the war. Well, by the time the Battle of Gettysburg rolls around, the Gettysburg campaign starting in June of 1863, uh, you're two years into it. And, you know, by this point in time, people have, you know, their, their, the, their romanticism has, has uh, uh, evaporated. So the idea of going off to war, the, the realities and the, the potential outcome of the, the war, uh, the, you know, you have less support. 
you know, people that, you know, understand now that there's a, a very high likelihood that you're going to have some sort of physical harm if you go off to war. And when the Gettysburg campaign starts, uh, Andrew Curtin, the, the governor of Pennsylvania, um, you know, he sends a, a call multiple times to Washington. He was friends with, with President Lincoln uh, because he, he recognized that the, the Army of Northern Virginia was headed towards Pennsylvania. And what he did was he sent calls for, hey, we need to, to raise more, more troops uh, to protect Pennsylvania. And it was a, it was a real tough sell in Pennsylvania. Um, on, on June 14th, um, what, what happens, Lincoln puts out a call for 100,000 troops. 50,000 of those are supposed to come from Pennsylvania. Um, where I'm from in South Central Pennsylvania at the time, uh, you know, there, there was a large German population that had, you know, immigrated from Germany, and they weren't inclined to, to want to participate in the Civil War. Most of them, uh, a majority were, you know, their occupation, they were farmers. And all that they wanted to do was, you know, farm and make a living. They had no interest in, in participating in a war, even if it meant protecting, you know, their, their local uh, uh, farms. And in, in fact, there are quite a few instances uh, that, that are written down where, you know, as, as troops are, are marching through uh, the, the property of the, the local farmers in and around Adams County, um, you know, they're... Their concern isn't for the the troops or the the war. Their concern their concern is around the the crops that they're trampling. So you know recruitment and and retention of of soldiers in the war was, was something that uh, was uh, was a struggle. Um, it, there was an 1863 act, basically the, uh, the I guess you could call it the the second uh, draft that was put into effect in the United States. And, uh, you know, it caused draft riots in New York City after the Battle of Gettysburg um, because people thought that it was unfair because you could pay $300 to effectively get out of uh, having to participate in the draft. So they felt that it was targeted towards uh, uh, folks that, that were, you know, on the lower end of the economic scale. Um, so, uh, you know, those challenges... Uh, there are a lot of lessons you can take away from the Civil War, and it translates beyond just military history or history in general, but you can apply them to cybersecurity and human uh, human resources as well. So, 100%. Yeah, so so let's take this back to, I mean, some kind of, you know, I want, I want to be able to, we want to be able to provide some practical kind of tips and solutions. Uh, and there's a couple questions that came in, uh, but one of the things that, that, I, that I, I was reading uh, – was and again, I don't want to get into the, too far into the history details because we don't have time. We're coming up on a break uh, in just a few minutes. Um, but in, during the Battle of Gettysburg at Pickett's uh, at, at Pickett's Charge, um, there there was an interesting story. And, and one of the things was that um, you know when they maneu- when when they maneuvered the tanks, uh, they pulled back the um, uh, the Union artillery. Uh, they pulled it back and, and they went silent uh, to protect them. And the Confederates uh, thought that the because it went silent was that they destroyed all the cannons. And, the, you know, moral of the story was when it comes to cybersecurity, just because if you're measuring how many attacks you have and they go, you know, we don't get many attacks. Um, that's not necessarily a good sign because somebody may be laying in wait or it means they broke through already and you don't even know it. 
Um, so these, the, basically the moral of the story was is it depends on the metrics and you you, re, you need to rely on people like you, Clint, uh, or, you know, uh, that understand that they just be that everybody gets attacked. And just because the tax have waned doesn't mean that they've gone away and that your protection's so good that nobody, they're, they're not going to break through. Um, but because they're just laying in wait or they might have broke through already. Um, the other part, the other part of that was that they call Abe Lincoln. Uh, again, I did some research for this uh, to, to kind of keep up with you. Uh, Abe Lincoln, they called the first wired president because apparently he used to just stop. He, ju- he used to just hang around the telegraph to, to get updates from the uh, from the uh, from the battlefield. Um, and uh, so he it was literally wired president because it was a telegraph but uh, well you know again it, it you know you can imagine him 160 years later you know being on twitter all day long you know watching what was going on <laughs> and he also he also you know if i remember correctly he also spent a lot of time going to the battlefield more so than mm-hmm. i think any president ever had but i'm not going to pretend i'm the history buff here yeah me, but me yeah neither, i think but, after uh, the break <laughs> after the break i think we we uh i want to pick your brain clinton about how those core principles impact an organization on an HR level, but maybe even more so on an IT level, because a lot of the time we talk here on the show about how humans and technology are merging. I love the idea of coming from the other direction and talk about how IT has to help shape human behavior inside of organizations. Excellent. So you've been listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Our topic today is cybersecurity and HR. Uh, We've got a little bit of a lesson on civil, uh, on how cybersecurity and the Civil War uh, might, uh, or lessons from the Civil War might help us in cybersecurity. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Clinton Eppelman from Moorefield Communication. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chatbots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hi, everyone. This is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. I'm here with Keith Compagda and our guest today, uh, cybersecurity expert, uh, specialist uh, Clinton Eppelman from Moorefield Communications. Uh, we were talking right before the break 
about uh, civil war lessons and how it relates to cybersecurity, something I was clueless of before. I had no idea where that conversation was going to go, but it was it was fun uh, and very interesting and, and a lot of parallels. Hey, uh, Clinton, I want to start out here. Um, we did have a question from Jasper, um, who, who put uh, something in the chat. Uh, he wants to know if we find, do you find companies give IT too much control? And I sort of mentioned that earlier. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's too much control versus, my personal thing is, but I'd like love your opinion, uh, versus uh, better collaboration. Um, because if you give IT all the control over all the technology, um, there may be some loss of functionality because they're not looking at, at the candidate experience for sure, or even what you you know what what any department doesn't have to be just HR. It could be finance or accounting or sales or marketing. Um, but we certainly need cybersecurity. But if we lean too, if we swing the pendulum so far over that way, then functionality uh, can go away. But that that's my opinion. What from from an expert opinion from somebody that deals with this every day? Um, can can we give you too much control? Yeah, so how I would answer that is I would check the cybersecurity policy of the organization to be able to, to answer that question. And I, the, the reason why I say that is because, by and large, I, I find a lot of small to mid-sized businesses outside of verticals that require some sort of compliance or regulation, they really don't have a formalized cybersecurity policy. So the information technology department in and of itself should not be creating and setting the cybersecurity policy for the organization. That should be something that, uh, you know, someone on the executive management team uh, with board buy-in um, and input from all the stakeholders in the organization, they should be working together to develop uh, the cybersecurity policy. And then IT is, of course, going to execute against that based upon the requirements of the policy. So I, I think what I think what people inevitably see, especially in the, the small to mid-sized space where you, you know organizations you don't have unlimited resources. So what ends up happening is the information technology department, they have to bear the responsibility of not only developing the cybersecurity policy, but also executing it. Um, so that, that's kind of my how I would answer. Yeah, appreciate that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's a complicated subject. So, uh, you know, during the break, um, we we talked about a couple things, you know, where we're going with this. And again, we want to give some practical tips to everyone, um, especially, you know, relating to HR. So you had mentioned something about recruitment and um, the job descriptions. Um, uh, again, I, I mentioned earlier about forms, and I, I know, and especially dealing with a, a lot of small, medium-sized companies like like Morefield does. I mean, you 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 cover all of bases, but um, you know that a lot of companies still have homegrown forms. Um, people, you know, applicants fill them out. Um, the the back end may not be secure how that information is collected. Uh, what they do with that information afterwards may not be protected. Um, but you mentioned, you know, but I was really curious um, on, you know, on, on your take on where job descriptions come into this. So. Yeah, so I, I guess if you think back, if you're old enough to remember the 90s, there, there were a lot of movies <laughs> in the 90s right. related to uh, hacking, and uh, I, I would say there are two words that were used a lot in these sorts of movies, uh, you know, hacking and firewall. 
So, uh, you know, at a technical level, you know, you don't have to understand what a, a firewall is. It's a device that protects, you know, your internal network from uh, the, the public Internet. So by and large today, most cybersecurity incidents are not because someone, quote unquote, was able to hack through your firewall. Most cybersecurity events today are uh, delivered, you know, through phishing, right, social engineering. So when it comes to re recruitment and, you know, the job descriptions that you're putting out online, you, you know, you want to think about what information you're including in those job descriptions. Because a lot of times if you're hiring for, um, you know, information technology position is a great example. You need to list out the specific skills and the specific systems that the candidate would need experience in. So what do people do? They, they list them out one after another on a list. And then they post that publicly so anyone can see it. So if you have systems that are, you know, perhaps antiquated, that are no longer supported by a manufacturer. That means there's no security updates to those systems. And what you're doing is, you know, you're publicly advertising, hey, we're using this, this, you know, we have technology debt that that, we're, that we have, and you're you're creating a roadmap for for someone to profile your organization. Yeah, um, I, I think I know where you're going with that. Can you give a specific example of a of a skill set that might be needed, or or maybe even in technology? Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't even it, it doesn't even have to be you know an information technology position. It can be a, a position. It can be listing you know what kind of CRM you use. It can be right. listing okay. what. Yeah, that's what I meant. Something specific that people would uh, can relate to. Right, because because now if I know what kind of CRM you use, what kind of financial application, if I'm going to you know send you a social engineering email uh, or a phishing email to try to get you to do something, I can make it sound more real. And if it sounds real, people are more likely to accept it on face value and not sit there and question and think, you know, maybe this is something I should, you know, run by someone else, have a second set of eyes. Um, you know, we're quick to make decisions. So, you know, social engineering is all about, you know, basically hacking uh, someone's psychological impulses. Um, so if, you know, considering your job description, you know, maybe sanitizing them. You don't have to list a specific CRM. Just list that you need to have experience using a CRM because, you know, those skills kind of translate from platform to platform. Um, and, you know, those things are, you know, something that people could probably quickly pick up um, if they're not familiar with the particular platform you're uh, invested in. That That is amazing. I mean, my mind's just racing with what you just said. Um, I mean, that's crazy because you see that all the time. Companies asking for specific knowledge or expertise in a particular software. And, and again, if I get an email that says, hey, you're, you know, um, you're, you're, um, it, there's a vulnerability in your Word document uh, that I received. I mean, you know, it's something I use every day. Um, you know, I'm going to pay more attention to that than if they come up with uh, some other software name that I never heard of. So. Yeah, and one other comment I, I would like to make, uh, you know, going back to the, the idea of the data that you collect, uh, both, so, uh, you know, it's probably been about a year and a half now. Uh, in Pennsylvania, there's the Dittman ruling, which basically puts a burden on organizations to uh, safeguard employee data that they collect and store. Uh, 
So if you're collecting, you know, social security number, health information of your employees, um, you know, the burden is on uh, the employer to safeguard that information. So prior to that ruling, if if someone, uh, you know, an, an attacker was able to gain access to that information, um, and, I'm, you know, I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not going to be able to use the legal terminology. But prior to the Dittman ruling, what would happen is your, the employer could say, hey, look, someone hacked us. It, it wasn't our fault. But now, with the Dittman ruling, the burden's on the employer to safeguard that data. So it's not unrealistic to expect that that couldn't be expanded to include uh, data that you're collecting for applicants to positions. And it may not necessarily just be in the... the uh, uh, job applications that you're filling out, but once you go a step beyond that, and they, you know, they send you a copy of their driver's license or you know other documents as part of that employment process, um, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, how are you collecting that data? Are they just emailing it to you? Do they have a secure method of, of getting it to you? And then, what are your policies and, and procedures around uh, storing that data and you know destroying it once you no longer need it? So I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. I mean that. What I, what I was saying is that, and I think you just you, I think you just answered it, but it is if the information within the system as it's being collected is secure, but then someone prints it out, you know, they 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 print out the applications to take them home because it's too hard to log into the VPN, you know, whatever it is. Um, and now they have them in a folder and they discard them and they throw them in the trash. Um, that breaks all the security you had. I mean, so when you're writing a cybersecurity policy, is that included or is, is that outside the purview of what most policies uh, include? So, you know, generally speaking, cybersecurity policy is typically going to apply to digital data. Um, but I think, I, I think if you take a structured approach at creating a cybersecurity policy for the entire organization, what you're going to do is you're going to bring key stakeholders into that process, and HR is going to be a key stakeholder. So during that structured process of, of creating a policy, you're, you're going to uncover things like you know, such as printing out paper copies of records. Those things are going to come up during the conversation, and you can work through those challenges during the, the, the process. But, you know, th this all kind of hinges upon, um, you know, sitting down and having a, a formal discussion where you're bringing everyone together, um, you know, to think about the people, the processes, and the technology and the organization and how they all tie together. So, you know, that's the first step. And HR can be a part of that process. You know, HR can advocate for having a structured cybersecurity policy and, you know, can help be a catalyst to get that conversation going. And then, you know, there are other things that are going to come up in other departments, things that don't directly fall under cybersecurity that you're going to be able to discuss and, you know, figure out how you're going to address those on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. Clinton, let me chime in here quick. Clinton, we spend a lot of time talking to HR people and about HR people in terms of their level of readiness to take on what we consider modern day challenges and challenges that they're going to face in the not too distant future. And the general consensus is that the vast majority of HR 
departments and HR leaders not prepared for what needs to be done. And for the most part, they lack the know-how to where to start without on their own. And we, depending on the depending on the the guest we have, we pretty much fall into like a ninety percent of HR leaders out there simply don't know what they don't know, and they're they're just ill prepared. Could you provide a little bit of a, a, a color here in terms of how many businesses, maybe on the small side? I don't know. I, again, I don't know how much of a challenge this is on the enterprise side, but I would suspect on the small to medium-sized businesses, how many of them do you think out of 100 are actually, you know, cybersecurity ready? Uh, when, and for my clarification, when you say cybersecurity ready, uh, you, you mean that there's some structured, formal approach to cybersecurity in the organization. That yeah. It's not something that is relegated to the IT department. Right. There, there. Yeah. The difference would be probably, you know, um, we're ready for if something were to happen. So I, I would say, you know, my experience is you're probably twenty-five to thirty percent in the, the small to mid-sized market. Now that are, I, I that are that, capable. That, that's correct. Now I say that there may be eighty-five percent of organizations out there that think they are sitting in a good position. Um, However, you know, looking at, you know, what, what some folks uh, classify as, uh, um, you know, a good approach, in my mind, isn't necessarily a good approach. So I, I think there's some, you know, false sense of, of security out there. Um, and, and I think, you know, one thing that HR can do is, you know, people, right? You have to, the culture of the organization, you, you should treat people as assets of the organization. So... You know, the idea of end-user awareness training, it, it's key to any successful cybersecurity um, program in an organization. So, you know, from a human resources perspective, you know, one of the things that you could do is you can say, okay, look, you know, we think our organization is, you know, cybersecurity ready. Um, measure it. You know, run a phishing campaign. There are services out there where you can run a phishing campaign and you can test your organization and you can test that readiness. You can evaluate how effective um, your awareness training program is. Um, and that way you have, you know, a data point that you can, you know, you can say, hey, we're doing a great job or, you know, we need to do some more work. Yeah. And and so it, it seems like, you know, if, if the – to the small, medium-sized businesses out there that don't know, um, we want them to get in tr- get in touch with you, and maybe maybe you can help them connect the dots or, or get to the the testing area so they could start recognizing where the weak spots are. How can somebody out there listening, or for those that we that connect through um, through us online, how can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me on uh, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn.com. Slash Clinton.Eppelman, um, or uh, you can reach us at uh, our website Morefield.com. M-O-R-E-F-I-E. Do me do me a favor, Clinton. Do that one again. You got a little bit quiet there. Can you get closer to the uh, the, the speaker? Sure. sure. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn.com slash Clinton.Eppelman, uh, or visiting uh, Morefield.com. It's our corporate website. Yeah, and we'll have that up. We'll have that up on up on the uh, 
on the on the podcast as well afterwards. So for anybody who's listening later, but uh, yeah, it, Eppelman is uh, E P P L E M A N, correct, Clint? Excellent. Uh, Clinton, so, I'm still my my mind's still buzzing with uh, what you were talking about with job descriptions. I think that was a brilliant um, suggestion, something I've never heard before. And I follow this stuff all the time. So that to me made <laughs> today worthwhile. Uh, a million other topics to cover. Um, Keith, it, it sounded like you had a question. Yeah, I was going to hit him with our standard uh, end of the podcast question and uh, just to see if we can't get a little bit of what's to come. So Clinton, that was my question. Clayton, <laughs> yeah. let's just say we bring you back on the show a year from today. What are we going to be talking about that everyone needs to know? Uh, I, I think a year from today, um, I, I think people are going to be tired of hearing about cybersecurity um, as it relates to politics. I think with the upcoming election, it's going to be something that's going to be in the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, you know, earlier this week in, in Iowa, uh, the Democratic uh, uh, caucus had some, some issues uh, with the, the technology that they were using, being able to predict, uh, um, give the output of the election results. And I think early Tuesday morning, they released a statement. And it was very interesting to me. Um, the, the second paragraph, the first paragraph, just you know, more or less, was outlining that hey, there was a, a, an election. Um, the the second paragraph um, pointed out before they got into any other details about it, the the fact that they were uh, uh, certain that it was not a cybersecurity related incident. So you know, I, I think it's you know, in the election season, we hear about data breaches all the time. You know, it seems like every week or two there is a, a major data breach that you read about in the news that's wide impacting to a lot of people. Um, and, you know, in the election season, uh, you know, it just shows that, you know, anytime there's any sort of glitch, it, it, you know, people are immediately going to think that there's the potential for a, a cybersecurity related incident. Um, so I, I think, you know, looking to a year in the future, sure, you're going to have those, those frequent uh, data breaches um, that we're all familiar with seeing on the news. Um, what you don't see on the news are all those small and mid-sized businesses that, that get hit, hit with ransomware or phishing attack. You don't see that sort of stuff publicized. So I think a year from now, um, you know, things are going to remain the same. Most cybersecurity incidents are financially motivated, so it's just uh, going to be a matter of, um, you know, what the the latest and greatest uh, uh, attack vector is at the time that's going to make the the waves. And I, I think everyone's going to be tired of hearing about cybersecurity until after the election's over. Mm -hmm. But we'll still be talking about it. <laughs> it's not going away, right? People, people aren't going to take That's a break right. from phishing, hacking, and figuring out new ways to get in <laughs> to, to our systems. So, uh, Glenn, uh, I, I appreciate you being here so much. Um, fortuitous that we met uh, about three months ago today, I think, or two months ago today. Uh, so I, I appreciate you taking the time out. There's a million other topics I had, you know, talking about 
you know, security with using chatbots and voice activated devices, which are exploding all over the place, uh, especially at work with gig workers, virtual workers. Uh, you know, again, uh, our, our lives are are getting better, but more complicated in, in many ways. So I appreciate you giving your insight and uh, hopefully you'll come back someday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Clinton. Keith, I had no idea where this was going to go. Um, we, again, we talked a lot, you know, I mean, again, we both admitted we didn't have anybody on cyber, on cybersecurity before. Um, but yeah. it's obviously, it's huge, huge, vast topic. Uh, and we barely scratched the surface again. So. It is something, you know, there's a deep rabbit hole here and you know me, I love rabbit holes. So yeah. I say we, we, we start, we'll, we'll do it again. So any, anybody listening yep. out there, uh, you know, if that's, if this is your area, you have a strong opinion, uh, one way or the other, uh, if you had an expertise on, you know, again, lo especially looking at the future workforce, gig workers, virtual workers, um, voice activated devices. I mean, all these things are, are going to be coming into play. And, uh, you know, and a lot of companies don't have the basics done for cybersecurity. Uh, they don't have a policy or they're fighting with uh, IT, um, you know, or, you know, again, a lot of work to be done. So yes, it's good. Yeah. Um yes, yeah, a couple of reminders. Um, I've got uh, this week, we had a rescheduling from last week. Uh, Monday uh, at 12 noon, we've got Jason Averbook on live stream. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, not Twitter, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, we're going to be doing the live interview with Jason Averbook. Hopefully his schedule permits this time. Um, but, you you know, stay tuned. So it won't be on Geek Skeezer's Googleization, but it'll be on a live stream. So uh, pay attention to that. Um, we've got a great lineup coming in February, a lot of good guests, uh, reminder for those who still want to order my book for free, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, Edition 2.0, uh, you can get it by going to join.googleizationnation.com. Any closing comments or words? No, I mean, uh, I think this one was a great one. I like how uh, we, we spent so much time talking about the future of work. It's great to, to you know, reflect back about what it was like in the past during the Civil War time. Uh, no, great amazing. time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. First Thank wired you, president, Abe, Abe Lincoln, right? <laughs> yep. yep, one of my favorites, John Adams and Abe Lincoln. Thanks. And George Washington, of course. Yeah, yeah thanks, Sarah. Good time today. Yeah, thanks. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. Uh, we are on every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY.com. Uh, you can listen to our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart. Um, you name it. We're, we are there. Uh, and we've got uh, over 60 shows up there online now. So, And you can visit uh, geekskeezersgooglization.com. Lots of Googleization today. <laughs> geekskeezersgooglization.com, um, where we archive everything. So until next week of the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>